Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you were doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And we're back in chapter four here now, Kyle, and we kind of have a big transition in what's taking place, and it's really marked in what we see here in the scriptures. So help us to understand maybe what's taking place in that transition and how we can look to grow according to the challenges Paul lays out here in this chapter. Yes, Lee, so just looking at this letter, we see in chapters one through three, Really, Paul is focusing on the celebration of faithfulness. He's encouraged, he's seeing the fruit, and so that he's really celebrating. Well, in chapters 4 and 5, he's really challenging them to grow. He's hitting on some hard stuff here. And so right away, we see that Paul is just simply reminding them of stuff they already know, but they need to hear. It's so easy to say we won't be affected by sin, or we will stand against temptation, But if we're not meditating on the Word day and night, and we're not storing the Word in our hearts, then we will not fight against sin. When Jesus was tempted, how did He respond? Well, He responded by quoting scriptures and turning His eyes to His Heavenly Father. We should be doing the same. So Lee, my question to you is, at a basic level, how do we fight sin? So yeah, I just jump back into verse 3 for the starting point for that. For this is the will of God, your sanctification or your holiness, you being set apart. And so if that's God's will for us, there's going to be victory. There's going to be success. There's going to at least be progress because God is desiring that to take place. But that doesn't mean it's easy. It's not easy to get rid of sin in our lives because we're fighting our own nature. 
the way in which our bodies and our minds naturally want to think and the way in which the world is feeding that into us. And so I think it begins with an understanding of the gospel. It begins with the fact that we understand that the only thing that is going to give us this true growth is a radical transformation in our life that comes from God. And so we can very much do practical things to help and to put us in a place where we can battle sin and we can combat it. But if we're just saying, hey, I can do this by myself, I can pull up my own bootstraps, I can do this, I can do this, I just need to try harder, 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 we're never going to really solve it. At best, it's going to be some behavior modifications that might on the outside look like we're doing better, but until it's that radical transformation that takes out, that removes those desires, it's never going to be fully getting rid of sin. An image that I always like with this is you will be killing sin or sin will be killing you. It's one or the other. It's never neutral in that process. So you need to actively be fighting and combating your sin. Do you have any other ways uh, you'd like to explain how we can wrestle with our fight against sin, Kyle? Man, yeah, Lee. So I heard this analogy a while back at a sin camp, which one of the speakers put it this way. Sin is like the weeds in a nice green lawn. You know, you mow them down and you make them look pretty. And they might be invisible to the outside eye, but they're there. And you can put more seed, but they'll fight through. You can cut it out, but they'll spread again. You see, if we don't kill sin at its roots, it will eventually take over our life. It will go back stronger, it will go back faster, and it will take over and destroy our entire life. And that's a scary concept. So if sin is so powerful, how can we stand against it? Well, the answer is simple. It's Jesus. If your eyes are focused on the Lord and His His will for your life, you will walk firm. If your eyes are focused on His splendor, you will, won't be discouraged. If your eyes are focused on His love, then you won't feel alone. If your eyes are focused on His promises, then you will have hope. If your eyes are focused on Him, then you won't be distracted. If your eyes are focused on advancing the gospel, then you will have purpose. If your eyes are focused on his unequaled power, then you will have confidence. Have you got the picture yet, Lee? Like, we look to the Lord because through him we can fight and conquer sin. That's so good, Kyle. That's so rich. And I know that many of our students at the D-Now got to look at that fruit-to-root type image in terms of the fruits that we have in our life or from certain roots in our life. And so when the roots are in sin, the fruit's only going to be sin. When the roots are in Christ, the fruit's going to be in Christ. And so tying that image in, giving us that very good picture of what that looks like helps us to see what's taking place here in this passage. Because it's a lot of specific things that he gives that are practically applicable to our lives in our battle for sin, but it's all centered back on that power of Christ working through us. Just looking at this next passage, we see that the structure of Paul's letter is is fascinating. You see, he actually starts with this encouragement, and then he goes into this challenge, and then he goes into what we're going to look at of hope, and then who actually finishes it with more challenge. But Lee, looking at this coming of the Lord passage, How can we today find hope through what Paul is telling to the church of Thessalonica? Yeah, I love that you've centered our thoughts on that word hope, because that's really what he's trying to do here. 
He's trying to give them assurance. He's trying to give them security, this hope that takes place, especially concerning people who have already died in the faith. And so I'm guessing that there was some sort of other teaching that was going around that somehow that these people wouldn't experience the same glories because they've already died prior to Christ's return. We were called to anticipate that. It says even here he's going to descend with a cry from a command and the voice of an archangel. You've got all these miraculous things taking place at the return of the Lord, but he's doing that for the purpose of giving them hope. Because Jesus has claimed victory over sin and death, those who have already died will have that victory as well. They who might fall asleep in the future would do the same thing. And that falling asleep, it's the same image of death. It's just a nice way of saying that and a common way that they did at that time. But they're supposed to, verse 18, encourage one another with the teachings that are here. And I think a lot of times when we get into the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord and the specific things that are happening, we might get tied up into a sequence of events. When does the rapture take place? Or when does God take his faithful? And uh, it's not necessarily the focus of what Paul is trying to write about here to give us a chronological pattern to anticipate, but instead to tell us we have the firmest of hope and the firmest of faith in the events that will happen in the future, that God will be true to what he's promised in our lives and in the lives of those around us, because he is the one who has claimed that victory. He is the one who offers that to others, and we will be present with him. We will be with him in his glory, and we will experience things that are only explained by the power of God and the gospel. And so I think that's really what his hope is at this passage here. To correct maybe is something that's been proliferated in their midst that probably was brought back to him as a, hey, Paul, things are going great, but they're struggling with this. And so he wants them to have that assurance. He wants them to have that ability to move forward with that. And I think that's why we see that here right before he starts to wrap up what he has tried to challenge these Thessalonica believers about. And so verse 18 is that application, encourage one another with these words, walk in that. And so as you reflect here on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you maybe look into these other aspects of this chapter that you want to understand in a greater sense, I would challenge you to do the same thing with the words that you have. Encourage those around you with the truths that you pull from this passage, with your connection to Christ and the gospel, with your ability to fight sin, with your passion to do that amidst the community of believers. And as you develop that type of a discipline today, as you walk in faith, as you walk in truth of your identity in Christ, know you are loved. You're-